Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for watching us today. You can find us online 24-7, you know the drill, pathtozion.com. All the audio episodes are there, and uh, if you want to join in with what we do here, send us an email, ask us how you can do that. We're always looking for opportunities. I'm, I'm considering doing some stuff with establishing like a 12 by 12 studio in my basement so I don't have to set this up in various rooms of my house and make my entire house stop everything they're doing so that I can record a six-part series. So if you want to help out with that, send us an email and you can send us a, a critique, a question, a challenge, something maybe you've thought about that I haven't because I'm sure that's very possible. Podcast at gmail.com is the place to do that. So thank you for watching today. Specifically, we are in the series titled Why Men Change Sabbath. Why the church no longer honors the biblical holy day. We've established clearly we're not going to be able to to rehash everything every time we turn this on. So uh, for the sake of time, we're going to keep moving. Um, Now we did cover the Moed understanding, the Moedim, the set-apart appointed times by Yahweh for His people, for humanity, uh, um, an invitation, if you will, to come into His holy, consecrated times. That is a beautiful thing. It is this incredible thing that I just wish so bad Christians that I know and that I love that would just give themselves to understand. You're, it's not that you're missing out because you're not keeping a command. You're missing out on the invitation to the beautiful observance of marking something holy that Yahweh God said is holy. And then he did command us. Why? Because a lot of times we won't voluntarily do something by free will. We're given commands to give us parameters to say what? This is how you do what I have commanded. This is how you do what pleases me because I have to give you a how-to or you won't do it. You're going to be lawless ones, which we're told in the end of the age, will be the ones who are told, I never knew you. (laughs) And so when people come at us or any one individual who's trying to do feasts and Sabbath and walk in the Torah commands of the Father the best we know how in the present moment reality that they're that they are established. You just sound like a law keeper, brother. <laughs> one of my favorite teachers that I've watched over the last year and a half says, Yeah, call me a law keeper, man, because do you know what happens to the lawbreakers, friend? The lawless ones are, are the ones who are, who are told to depart from the presence of the king. So if I'm going to be a law keeper or a law breaker, lawless one, I'll be a law keeper all day long. <laughs> but our mindset says, well, you're, you're not under grace anymore. You're giving up the blood. You're giving up Yeshua, Jesus' sacrifice. Man, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. In fact, those things, those attributes of the of the Son of Yeshua is the only hope I have as a Gentile to come into the grafted-in reality to even be considered as one member of the people of Yahweh Elohim. So it's a beautiful invitation. It's not a smack on the back of the head to say, come on, boy, keep my Sabbath. No way. It's a beautiful invitation. We're trying to make that clear as we present this idea. Now, we did wrap up um, part two with talking about um, how we have just abandoned the the Moed understanding, the Moedim, the, the feasts and Sabbath, these marked 
appointed times, the, the times when Yahweh said, I'm coming to meet with you right now. We talked about the tent of meeting and uh, how it was called something, what? The Ohel Moed. It was the tent of meeting. And, and so this day is when Yahweh's saying, look, I am creating a space. One brother I listened to, a sacred space. I'm creating a marked space and time now for you to come in and to commune with me in a special way. It does, and see our, our Christian thinking. I hear it in my head. I hear that, that, that wide way New Testament Christianity saying, but that means that you don't get to commune with God every other day of the week, Joel. And see, that's, that's the lie of the enemy, man. That's that garden deception. It sounds beautiful, sounds right, looks greater, looks better, but it's not true because it undermines the, the truth, which is Yahweh saying, that's fine. I'm not saying you can't worship me on a Wednesday morning at 530 in your basement. I'm saying I marked the seventh day as a holy consecrated day, period. Those things are fine and wonderful. Seek me. Pray without ceasing. Study to show yourself approved. Get up early. Stay up late. Pray with your wife. Train your son. Do that all the time. What are we told? When you rise up and when you lie down. And, and, not instead of or in exchange of, but and, keep my seventh day Sabbath day holy. Do it all. And again, it's a privilege. It is not a burden, man. It's not a burden. And if it is a burden, we're doing something wrong or we just don't understand it. But it's not given to us and offered and presented to us in a burdensome way. So if we say that days don't matter, Christianity, Sabbath doesn't matter, whether you mark, and see, that's the thing we're going to get to and everything I keep saying we're going to get to, that ought to tell you we have a lot ahead of us. We're not talking about what day we worship on. We're not talking about what is the Lord's day by our understanding of, well, what day do I go to church? I mean, that's really what the, the, the juvenile thinking wants to know. Look, brother, just tell me, can I go to church on Sunday? Or are you saying I have to go to church on Saturday? Because that's going to be really difficult for me because I don't know. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. Again, we're talking about a heart's posture of honoring and, and reverencing a marked day by the Father. It's more than just when we worship. And so the, there, there are many people within the church who say, you know what, days don't matter anymore. Day, specific days, they don't matter. Um, that's just past tense religious ritual that's no longer applicable. Um, but, but my question in that, as I thought about this morning, is, well, then why do Christians do Easter? Why do they do Christmas? Now, both of those easily have pagan sources and traditions and origins um, that were adopted into the church to try to be inclusive and, and try to bring in outsiders and make the, the festivals of the Lord more appealing to the masses, which they were never meant to be to begin with. So that's problem number 4,000 in this doctrine and understanding. But then why do we do Christmas and Easter? Those aren't in the Bible. Those aren't instructed for us to do. Well, days don't matter. Sabbath doesn't really matter. Well, then why do we have these other Valentine's Days fixing to happen? And, you know, what do you do? You see church websites. I see them online. Valentine's services, couples night, you know, free roses. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, the, again, the church has been assimilated. The church has been brought in. Man, here's a revelation. 
Now, I hear what the Father's saying in this. I don't do this very often. I don't know if I've done it like this on here. I would submit to you that the prophetic word of the Lord and right here, right now, is the, the church, the modern-day Christian church, has misunderstood the grafted-in understanding. She's been grafted into the world. She's been grafted into the one-world religious system that we taught on a couple weeks ago. She's been assimilated. She's been grafted into the ways of the world and the religions of men, the traditions of men. She's been grafted in, but she's not been grafted in to her true identity. I'm telling you, I feel that in my gut. I feel that in my innermost places, friend. Please give ear to that. Give heed to that. And ask the Father if that's true. Ask Him if it's true in here, communing with Him, and ask Him if it's true by studying this. The church has misappropriated being grafted in. She's been grafted in and assimilated into a Luciferian mindset church that has undone all of Yahweh Elohim's Moedim, set apart appointed times where He said, I will meet with you here, but you have to show up, friend. You've got to show up and be holy as I am holy by doing and making holy what I made holy. That's what he's saying, man. That's what he's saying. So please heed that. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this myself and examine ways in me where I've misappropriated the grafted in understanding. I've been grafted in to become the prized people, royal priesthood, chosen nation of Yahweh Elohim, which did not start in Acts chapter 2. Amen, man. That's so true. That's so true. Myself included, I've been grafted into a larger Christianity, a Christianity that says that the people of God have been replaced. In my own version of that, and whatever your version of that is, we believe by verbiage now, oh yeah, we're grafted in. We're grafted in, but like we've already covered, well, we're grafted into to verse 1, but verse 2 doesn't apply to me. I'm grafted into verse 3, but verse 4, no, we don't do that anymore. You understand, that's what we've done. We do not give ourselves to the wholeness of the grafted in miracle that we've been invited into being Yahweh's people. So let that be whatever it is. We've had hypocritical doctrine. We do holidays. We make holidays in modern day church, and I'm talking the last hundreds of years. Thousands now. (laughs) We make up our own. We have better ideas. That's the Luciferian agenda that we've explained in past episodes. It's not some darkness, you know, evil world, Luciferian agenda. It's beautiful light. It's attractive. It's desirable, and it seems right to a man. We call evil good and good evil because of it. Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to reference this scripture right here, man, four, five, six times from here on out in this study. It's going to be throughout every part of this study from here on. Because this, man, the Father's so good, man. I'm no professional speaker, and what the Lord just said is this right here, and I did not even make the connection. This will provide for us what I believe is to contain the primary issues we're addressing. Isaiah 58. If, because of Sabbath, 
You restrain your foot from doing as you wish on my holy day. Who do you think's talking? Yahweh God. If because of Sabbath, you restrain your foot from doing as you wish on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a pleasure, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, this one I underlined and italicized for myself and for you, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Friend, this is what I just said. This is what I'm submitting in humility, that that's what the Spirit's saying in this. If you don't, I'm paraphrasing now, if you don't do what you want to do all the time on my holy day, and if you call my holy Moed day the Sabbath, seventh day Sabbath, if you call it a pleasure, and if you keep the holy day of Yahweh honorable and honor it, and you, and you stop doing your own way and seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, your own opinion on when the day even is and what it's supposed to look like, then you take the light in the Lord and he will make us, make me ride on the heights of the earth. So again, if we are willing to say maybe we've been grafted in errantly, Maybe there's hope for us, (laughs) which of course there is. To a natural man, this does not matter. This does not matter to a natural man. We've been taught that God just wants worshiped. He just wants someone to worship him. I mean, imagine a church service. Give him praise. Give him praise. Make it louder. Do this. Do this. Build up a crescendo during worship, worship time with music. Build us up. Build us up till we explode in worship to the Father because that's all he wants. He wants a whole lot more than that. And you know what he wants? He wants an obedient people. He wants obedience. Yeshua himself, the very Son of the Most High, the Son, the flesh and blood God-man now, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. What? Yeshua learned obedience? You better believe it. He learned obedience through the suffering. What's the suffering? Was it just the whips the last few hours of his life? No way. I've said this in countless teachings in 20 different ways. Yeshua learned obedience through the things that he suffered, and his suffering was a life of denying his will to keep the perfect commands of the Father. He was a suffering servant. Why? Well, because the evil Pharisees hated him. No way. He was a suffering servant because he had to deny himself every second of every day for his short life. He had to deny what? He had had to desist from his own way. He had to stop seeking his own pleasure. He had to stop speaking his own word. He said, I only speak what the Father says, brother. I only do what he's doing. He restrained his foot from doing as he wished. But now we say, God just wants worshiped and we decide when and how. We have no relevance anymore to 
a Moed reality, a Moedim understanding of holy marked days, feasts, and Sabbath. The, mat- the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. It's foolishness to us now. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually viewed, a spiritual vantage point. Not a does this make sense or not in my rational thinking according to the doctrines and traditions I've been handed, but as a spiritual man, not affected by all the outside sources that say this is foolishness. But what is true? What is true? And willing to look foolish when you're called to do it. It's worth noting this too. I threw this in there. Why Abraham was called out to be the father of the children of Elohim. Why was he called out to be the father? Why was he the the origin in man form, if you will, to be the one who produced the seed that would be scattered? It was because of his great faith, right? It was because of Abraham's great faith. To kind of make this point more clear of what I'm saying. Faith is awesome. Faith, Hebrews 11, I've been teaching on that too. It's not that it doesn't matter. And here's the thing. In modern Christianity, in the Christian doctrine as a whole, says you always have to choose one or the other. You can't be a, a, an addition man. You can't be an addition to your understanding believer because you got to pick a side, brother. Are you going to do this or are you going to do that? Well, my mentality, according to Scripture, is, well... I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, and my life is a perpetual addition that leads me into more of the fullness and stature of my king. So why was Abraham called out? Was it just because of his faith? No. (laughs) No. Genesis chapter 26, verse 5. Yahweh said, quote, (laughs) All of this, which is this, was that he would have descendants all over the earth, All of this is because Abraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. Shema. He heard, he listened, and he obeyed. Heard and listened are two different things. We hear a whole lot, but we don't listen. (laughs) That's for my nine-year-old and for me. Okay, so Abraham, he will have all these descendants, all the promises, the covenantal promises of, of the Father. Because Abraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. He followed my mitzvot, my, my commandments, my regulations, my teachings. In other words, Abraham, of course, a man of faith, and everything points back to the real origin of faith in, in a human being, was Abraham. He was the man of faith. We know that. I'm not argu- Again, I'm not arguing that and saying he wasn't really a man of faith. That didn't matter. It's this. I'm saying, again, it's, it's the both and. But this clearly states that Yahweh was going to scatter the seed of Abraham all through over the, throughout the nations of the earth because he did what he was told. Because he followed the commandments of the Father. He kept Yahweh's regulations and teachings, Genesis 26.5. So there's something to the doing, the commands of the Father. There's something to it. I would say that's what produces our faith. And faith produces the keeping of the commandments. I'd say it's always this back and forth. Because I have faith and believe that this is for my good, that this is a beautiful expression of the Father, I keep doing them. I have the faith to believe that. It's a life-giving substance faith. 
And because I'm doing the commands, it demands I have faith in what I'm doing, that it's what the Father has ordained for me and for his people. It's this this perpetual cycle to me. I haven't really thought of that before. The Christian doctrine that excuses away the importance of biblical Sabbath is the same doctrine that says we need to just have faith like Abraham. Again, just believe. Don't do anything. Don't keep a command. Don't keep a statute. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do anything. But what? Kick up your feet in the Sabbath rest of Jesus and have faith like Abraham. And all these things will be added to your life. But that's not solely what this is saying at all. Faith is a substance that causes us to do something, to do something, to affect something around us, to cause change in us, first and foremost, not just to help people and change people. I'm talking about in here to change the atmosphere of our life to what? To become a dun dun dun. Let's go back. Where is that? Oh Lord, help me find it quickly. Doggone it. It was the it was the um tent tabernacle understanding. I want to look more into that. The tap the tent of meeting. Where was it? I just saw it. We're talking about appointed times, the Ohel Moed. That's us, man. When we're walking in these ways, in faith, keeping the commands of the Father, we're moving about like a tent of meeting. What? At the appointed times too, man. I'm showing up for the holy consecrated time of Yahweh Elohim, and I'm expecting that he's going to talk to me. He's going to commune with me. How do you know, brother? I mean, how do you know? Because he promised me. Because he told me. Because he told me, hey, This is an appointed time where I'm choosing to gather with my people. So if and when you do that in faith, you're going to hear me speak because I said, this is my day. This is my seventh day, Sabbath day. Keep it holy so that I can communicate with my people. It's beautiful. Oh, I totally lost my place. Okay. Christian doctrine, Abraham, faith. The Lord's day. I'm going to find a breaking point here because we're going to get we're going to get into some stuff that is kind of standalone-ish. The Christian doctrine, the Lord's Day. Okay, we've all heard this word, the Lord's Day. I don't care what you believe, and and I'm not sitting there across the couch from you, so I can't put you on the spot. But if I asked nine thousand nine hundred people out of ten thousand, tell me the Lord's Day, they would say Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. I hear secular people, non-believers where I live in the middle of nowhere mountains here, simple mountain folk who talk about how they won't do this, won't do that. Well, you know, it's the Lord's Day. I mean, don't believe anything in the Bible. Don't know squat about the commands of the Father or any of that type of stuff. Don't really believe Jesus. Eh, I guess, you know, the cross, whatever. I prayed. I went to church when I was five. When Sunday... Or when's the Lord's Day? Oh, it's Sunday, man. <laughs> I don't I don't drink as much on the Lord's Day. I'm being serious now. That's 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 what people understand. That's that's normal, okay? Um <laughs> So what is this mysterious Lord's Day is where we're gonna start to move. We've heard we've heard it probably our whole lives. What does it mean? Where is it in the Bible? When did it start? Very few wonder this, I've found. Very few people wonder it. They just don't ask. And and (laughs) hardly anybody challenges it and says, hey, pastor, can you show me why we gather on a Sunday? 
Can you show me why we keep talking about this being the Lord's Day? Very, very few people will ever be willing to even consider doing that. Why? Because the religious system, Christianity has created these pockets of terror in their congregants where you, man, you don't ask questions, man. You ask a question in this house, you're out of here. <laughs> That's well understood in Christianity. I don't care what flavor you're in. Most places, and I say, well, I'm not like that, and it's not like that where I am. I'm not saying it's everywhere, but I'm saying it's very predominant. My first cause for concern always originates by asking people why they're so opposed to Torah or feasts or Sabbath, because people are so fast out of the gate. They run to Hebrews. They run to Paul's teachings, which which we're told is hard for even an educated man to understand and easily confused. And we think we know truth. We already know the truth, brother. Don't you dare bring something to me that I don't believe. I see it, man. I, because of what we do here, that's normal for us to hear. Challenges or whatever, I get it. I understand. We should challenge things, but not with a like a closed door with four deadbolts on it challenging, but I mean challenging with an open heart of saying, you know what, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know. And, and all of us for the rest of our lives, there's a million and one catalogs in the library of my heart, of my understanding and doctrine that are just flat wrong, that I just don't know yet. I don't know why that's such a scary thing. Our identity, my, my identity is in Messiah, not in my intellect or my reasoning or my biblical prowess. So, so people, I ask, why, why are you so opposed? Like sometimes, like, why are you so, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but why are you so opposed to a seventh-day Sabbath? And a lot of times, I don't, you know, if they're honest, I don't know, man, but it ain't right. <laughs> I'm not a seventh-day Adventist, and I know those guys back, you know, like everybody has a, a personal reason in history about what that triggers in them. But man, you say Torah around people, I'm not keeping the law. What are you, an Orthodox Jew? Oh, gosh. Feasts? What, what are you talking about? Those are the feasts of the Jews. And I say, well, look right here. It says it's the feasts of the Lord. No, they're not. You know. So my concern is always like our, our instant, it doesn't have to always be aggression, but it's like it's this front of opposition that comes up that should be a warning to us, friend. Things will come to me in my life, if not tomorrow, the next day, that someone tells me or I read or I study or I watch or I hear or someone emails me, or someone calls me, and I will have the same choice of like, okay, that might be true. That I, I don't agree with that whatsoever, but that might be true. That's okay. It doesn't harm my identity. It doesn't scare me, and it doesn't make me want to slam the door in your face. Okay, well, let's talk about that. If, if that's the thing, if someone's actually willing to talk about it, it's okay to talk about these things. But to me, it all, it all boils down to us being willing to admit, no matter how educated you are, or how smart you think you are, or how much studying we all do individually or corporately, man, we're just ignorant. We're just ignorant. And this generation handed down so many layers and levels of generational lies and deception through the traditions of men, man, it's hard for us to dig out of the sea. We're like trying to swim up from the bottom of the ocean for a breath of air. It literally feels like that to me sometimes. And we have to remember that. But we've been handed a new religion in Jesus. I talk about that on this program all the time. We've been handed a new religion that started in the Acts Pentecost experience that just popped out a new religion, new ideas, undoing everything that preceded, a new idea. 
And we are divorced from what used to be. We know that. We talk about that all the time. And so as we bring this one to a close, we know that keeping the Sabbath day holy, as we have already read very clearly, why did then, okay, so, <laughs> oh my gosh, even this, like where we live, we you know this if you know us personally or if you hear me talk on this program, we live across the street from a hundred plus year old little church that we gather in um, a couple times a month ourselves, separate from the church, the people, um, to just kind of present ourselves to do whatever the Father wants to do. It's very disorganized in the sense of it's not formulaic at all. We just We just make ourselves available. Let's put it that way. But like on their wall, they have the Ten Commandments, as does so many churches and almost everywhere across this nation and the world for that matter. And on those Ten Commandments, it says to keep and honor the Sabbath. Okay, now go back and read all of the Bible verses about it, and it tells us clearly that the seventh day is the Sabbath. And so then you have the Ten Commandments on the walls of all these churches that say keep the Sabbath day holy as a commandment, a one of the ten now, as we all gather on a Sunday and break the commandment. Now, whether you do that in a fancy cathedral that's plated in gold and in statues and beauty, or whether you do that on someone's couch on a Sunday, friends, we're breaking the commandment. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just be hard on ourselves. We're breaking the commandment that's hanging on the wall beside pew seven in the baptist church and that's just it's kind of comical but it's very sobering and serious about how casual the ten commandments have become now most people keep the ten commandments by just being a good moral person it's not that complicated but what about that one that one is almost laughably ignored in its entirety so why do we do this exodus 30 clearly told us when the sabbath day is and we don't just keep Whatever we call the Sabbath day holy, we keep the capital T, the Sabbath day holy, the seventh day Sabbath that Yahweh Elohim told us in Genesis chapter 2 is his Sabbath holy day. So what has happened? I mean, I'm literally asking, what's happened? Do you know? I'm hoping that there will be people that watch this that aren't Sabbath, seventh day Sabbath keepers. I don't even like the verbiage that is thrown about about. I understand the necessity of it. But what is, I mean, I'm literally posing the question to you. If you're a, a Sunday Sabbath keeper, what's happened? Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe Sunday is the Lord's day? I'm going to answer why you believe that, and you probably don't know. I didn't know either in its fullness until just yesterday. But we've been handed an errant understanding that says we were somehow given a new option by Jesus. In fact, it was given to us by early church fathers that eradicated the very church that Yeshua came to introduce in fullness. Man, this is such, this is like makes my heart just drop to the floor and it brings me a lot of clarity. Both, synonymously. Both. You've heard me say this a lot. <laughs> Israel kept the seventh day Sabbath. Yeshua kept the seventh day Sabbath. Paul kept the seventh-day Sabbath. The church post-Acts chapter 2 Pentecost kept seventh-day Sabbath. Then why don't we keep the seventh-day Sabbath today? Why doesn't the church do that today? 
In my simple understanding, and again, I'm no historian, but I love to study. I love it. I'm going to propose some answers as to that question. I'm going to give you historical answers about why you, we, not me anymore, I'm not in the we, why majority Christianity does not honor Seventh-day Sabbath anymore. And like many of these other things, you probably don't even know why. I don't know why. Sunday is the Lord's Day. Why is it called that? And why is it on Sunday? And why is there no observance of Saturday, Seventh-day Sabbath for the church? To be clear, to be clear, and then we're going to bring this one to a close. This is not merely at all a day on when, of, of, of proposing a day to figure out the debacle of what day do we go to church. This is not the what day do we go to church teaching. Nor is it what day do we worship God, uh, uh, worship God day either. Well, tell, Joel, just tell me what day I'm supposed to worship God. This is not that. We worship God in spirit and in truth 24-7. By being the living temple reality that we've already alluded to a little bit earlier by happenstance. This is a temple... I don't have time to get into all that. It is an ongoing, perpetual, like breathing air life now in Yeshua filled with Holy Spirit. But, and, there is a set-apart holy day consecrated by the Father at creation in Genesis 2. So we're going to look at, we're going to answer this question. Why aren't we doing this anymore? Why? <laughs> I'm going to answer that question historically. We're going to go through the timeline of almost like, basically, Yeshua comes, he ascends. You know, death, burial, resurrection, he ascends. He sends Holy Spirit. Pentecost, which was not something new in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost was old news that was happening every year. People are filled with Holy Spirit. The church becomes to enter into her fullness because she's keeping Torah. She's walking in the righteous rulings of, of Yahweh Elohim in the blood of Yeshua, empowered by the Holy Spirit, man. The church, if there ever one, if there ever was one, was right then, right there. Being added to by the thousands. Why? The fullness, man. The fullness. In that form, in that, in that epoch of time, man, whoa. Wow. Almost turn the page one time. The decline comes. And mankind says what? We're going to take this beautiful thing. We're going to harness it. And we're going to take it into the future. And we're going to undo all this stuff. And we're going to make it better. We're going to make it better. Isn't that the pattern of humanity? But yet this one goes unnoticed, man. This one has snuck in on us. This one has snuck into the church. Christianity does not know this one. They'll call out a million other deceptive ways that came. They love to talk about the serpent in the garden. They love to talk about the Noahic flood and why everybody got there. They love to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. But man, when you get to what happened immediately following the Acts 2 church and what they were experiencing and becoming and what followed right away when men grabbed hold of that and literally, they literally place themselves in authority to rule and govern over that, that was the greatest punch to the gut to the people of God that I would say has ever happened on the earth. It sure was not the enslavement of the people in Egypt. This is way worse than that. Way worse. Because it's generational. 
And it just continues to go and continues to go. And it's going to go all the way on to the future. So will we come out? How do we come out? Holy, consecrated, set apart, distinct by keeping Yahweh Elohim's seventh day Sabbath. So why men change Sabbath? Why the church no longer honors the biblical holy day? Come back for the next one because we're going to talk about the answer to that question. This is why. This is why. This is why. We're going to read it. The history of it. Coming up next, you've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for watching. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Like, subscribe, all those things. Thank you for watching. I hope we're, we're all learning together on what this ancient way really is. Amen.